Hello and welcome to the RPG Academy podcast, Detention Live. My name is Michael and I'm here with tonight with guest co-host the Caleb G and Chris from the Redemption Podcast. And we're going to be talking what we've been up to. We're going to talk uh, about chrono turns. We're going to do some bad improv or do some improv badly. And we're going to do a uh, pull the winners for the Pelotonia raffle that Caleb's been running to help uh, raise funds to uh, fight cancer. And uh, and talk to the audience and do some other fun stuff. So without any further ado, Caleb, say hello to everybody. Howdy, all you cats and kittens out there. And then Chris, say hello to everyone. Hello, everyone. So we are going to change the format a little bit tonight. Uh, we have a little bit of a time crunch, and we do want to make sure we have enough time to do the drawing. Uh, but we're going to start, as we always do, with extracurricular. So I'll go to you first, Chris. What you been up to, buddy? What's been going on? What do you want to talk about? Uh, not a ton. Uh, Redemption's back to recording. We took a little break just to get things in life a little more situated. Uh, so that's been a lot of fun. And I'm just running a little uh, game with some friends here locally, uh, mostly over the internet, uh, doing some Shadow of the Demon Lord. I'm uh, taking some of my favorite uh, IPs and mixing them in the game. So there's some Ooh. Dresden Files, there's some Dragonlance, there's some stuff from some of my favorite uh, TV shows. And so far they've all uh, merged with the uh, coins from the Black and, Black and Denarian. So they all have little passengers with them that are talking to them that they think are going to help them, but really aren't. So wow. It would not be I... Shadow the Demon Lord if they were helpful. Yep. And they are about to meet their first encounter with Draconians. So half their weapons are going to get stuck in them, and they're not going to know what to do. Excellent. Uh, so have you seen uh, Shadow of the Weird Wizard that uh, Schwab is working on? It's supposed to be kickstarting soon? Uh, I have. That's the, if I remember right, the more family-friendly version of Shadow of the Demon Lord. Yeah, that's the way I understand it as well. It's basically the same mechanics, but it's a little less dark and hail satan than uh than rob normally throws to make it a little bit more wide audience appropriate i love the system uh but i will say there is some aspects that are a little dark some of the spells are definitely a little rough uh, there's that one i'm thinking of you know the one yes uh, there's we all a know whole the whole tradition that is pretty rough so yes. So welcome, New York Tater. Always a pleasure to have you with us, sir. Tad B, thank you for joining as well. And you're here kind of on time today. Usually when Tad shows up, it's right when I'm leaving. So I was like, hi, Tad. Bye, Tad. But uh, today he's here on time. So thank you. Uh, Foxblade is here as well. Have plenty of our regulars. Means so much. Thank you for joining. Uh, anything else you want to talk about, Chris? <laughs> and Tad uh, has to leave. Just binged a ton of Netflix with the wife. Uh, Umbrella Academy season two was great. Oh, so good. Uh, really good soundtrack. Warrior Nun was surprisingly good. I don't like the big cliffhanger at the end. Mm. I don't want to spoil it, but I was like, I wanted more. All right. So I guess they did their job because now I'm going to watch season two. Yeah, that's pretty much exactly what they were supposed to do then. Yep. Cursed was uh, a little different than I thought it was going to be, but. It's pretty good. And I could go on about all the shows because, well, we have plenty of time at home. Yeah. Uh, again, that's the that, the benefit of anything is that uh, you can finally watch all the things and there are lots of things to watch. 
yeah other than that just having fun playing some board games online i know you and i've played legendary yeah uh we think we're batting 500 <laughs> somewhere somewhere in there I, maybe even like yeah. 650 i think we may have won more than we've lost yeah uh but uh some of those losses were like very last turn we thought we could have it and then it which is the absolute worst because you have to play the entire thing before you realize you know you can't scoop and go well we're done and now we're in it's like two and a half hours and then you die that's that's the worst uh thank you new york tater i got some new lighting so i think that's definitely helped as well and then also obviously the pounds continue to come off but thank you for saying something it does make me feel good uh welcome tom sparrow i don't recognize your name so if you're new thank you so much for joining i really appreciate it and of course ramey always a pleasure to have you with us as well all right so caleb i'll go to you buddy what have you been up to well, uh, watching a lot of PBS Kids, if we're talking about uh, TV shows. Um, so my daughter is just about two and a half. And when we spend time together, it's usually bouncing between three or four different shows that she likes. Uh, Daniel Tiger is up there. Uh, she has not yet understood the concept of binging. Like, my kid, let's just watch start to finish. She's like, one episode, next, next thing, Sesame Street. Next thing, Daniel Tiger. Come on. I'm sick of getting up. Uh, but we did find on uh, on Disney Plus, Bluey. Bluey is the best darn show I've ever watched. Uh, there's like 50 episodes, I think. They're all super short, like 10, 11 minutes. I'll watch that thing start to finish without her. Oh, wow. Because it's related. I've I've actually heard that uh, one of the other podcasts I listen to, much larger than ours, so they don't need any plugs. Uh, <clears throat> one of their hosts has a young daughter and was talking about that show and just that it's like phenomenal. But I, my kids are just sort of old enough that I haven't felt the need to to try to dive into it. Uh, but I've heard wonderful things. Yeah, it's outstanding. Uh, other than that, just been working, getting through the situation we're all in. And uh, when I can, getting out to ride for Pelotonia. And again, we've already mentioned, but there's a few people who have jumped in. We are going to be doing the, the raffle drawing here in a little bit. Uh, you've been running a raffle to help raise funds. Uh, do you mind sharing what you've ended up raising overall or through the, the raffle in particular? So out of everything I prepared, I didn't pull that number. Oh, wait, I did because I'm lazy and left <laughs> it open from earlier. <laughs> Uh, so currently right now for the raffle, I've raised $335. Nice. So big, big thank you to everyone who has kicked in over the past couple weeks. Um, Pelotonia is a cancer research charity that started here in Ohio uh, about 10, 11 years ago. It's all focused around community, bike riding, um, and pulling money together. There's a lot of corporate sponsors that keep the charity funded and going. So when poor schmoes like me get out and ask for some donations, 100% of that money goes right to cancer research. Uh, research. Uh, normally, we have a huge like 200-mile bike ride through Columbus every year, but things change. Yeah. So I thought I'd get a little creative and say, hey, can anyone volunteer to run some games and give away some swag? And a whole bunch of really cool people did, including Chris, who is below me on my screen. I don't know what direction. <laughs> on the stream, I'm below you. So Chris is 
to your stage left. No, stage right, your left. That way. That, that guy. That one. Yeah. Uh, so I very much appreciate everybody who jumped in to run some games, uh, donate some swag, and we will announce some winners here real soon. Yeah, very shortly. Uh, I'm running a game for that as well, and we also donated a couple of Catacon tickets for 2021. Uh, and speaking of Catacon, because that's a great segue I just set myself up for, the Kickstarter for Catacon uh, Ready Player Characters, which is going to be the virtual arm of the Catacon this year. And you can also pre-buy badges for next year's event. is going live in less than two weeks. Two weeks from Tuesday. Woo! Yesterday, I guess. Um, which is scary and awesome and exciting. Been putting a lot of work in that. Um, I got the video done. It's about as good as most videos we've done. So, not great. But uh, this one might be a little bit more important because I'm afraid there are going to be people who jump on not realizing it's virtual or exactly what that means. So I, I tried to make the video a little more informative. Just it's not any better produced. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. Uh, welcome, Targris. Thanks you for joining us as well. Always a pleasure to have you here. Oh, hey, Targ. Uh As um, far as myself, um been... Doing playing a lot of games actually. I uh, I I think I've been playing more now than before uh, through the Discord. I've been trying to run one shots uh, every week, and I think other than one week I took off, I've done that for the, like the past five or six weeks in a row, wow. uh, and that is going to continue. Though there's a good chance it might start going every other week because uh, both of you know because you're in the faculty channels. I'm going to be starting a new campaign soon. That's going to be for the Ooh. podcast and possibly for the for a stream as well. I'm, I'm working on that, but I'm leaning really hard into streaming it. And uh, mostly because then I have to do less editing because I say, we streamed it. The audio is the audio. Deal with it. Um, so probably going to do a, a biweekly campaign and then on the alternate weeks run uh, something else. But uh, it's a ton of fun. I've been running a bunch of different uh, systems, uh, Forbidden Lands, which I really digging uh we uh actually i i got on their press list because uh, i asked very nicely um and so uh, we did a full two-hour in-depth review of forbidden lands and i love the game it's so much fun and uh forbidden lands is the newest campaign setting and whatever i end up running it might be heavily influenced um by that uh, Dirty Habanero has joined us as well. Thank you. Another one of our detention regulars. And New York Tater is asking, is there any way for him to um, add in a dice bag that I owe him? Because he won it through <laughs> something I gave away and he was supposed to get it at a catacon and I can't. Um, so I can easily throw that into the, the, the big raffle prize pool if you would like. Sure. So, yeah. Sure. So, yes, why, New York Tater, we, why can, not? we can absolutely do that. Thank you. Uh, yeah, so for physical donation or physical prizes, a lot of the swag that I got was all PDFs and and jazz like that. For physical stuff, when we draw that winner, I will um, surreptitiously pass that ma mailing address along well, to... It, so I still have it because I just haven't given it to him yet. So if you give it to me, I can mail okay. it to him as well. And I'm not throwing a couple of... I got some other... Knickknacks and swags Ooh, I can throw in. The as dice well. bag might be full of things. There might could be because I definitely have enough dice. Uh, <laughs> TV and stuff like that. I watched Umbrella Academy two, and I actually strung it out over three days, which for me is actually quite a lot. Uh, I loved it. I thought it was so good. 
again, as Caleb already mentioned, the, the music is just top notch. And that's a big part of that experience is mm-hmm. the, uh, the songs. But, and we're rewatching season one because my wife was watching season two with me and kept saying, who's that? Who's that? Who's that? Who's that? Because that's what the relationship I have with my wife. And so we've watched the entire season two and she's like, that's really good. We should watch the first season which I already watched the first season again in preparation for season two. So now I'm rewatching season one again, third time through. It's still good, but I'm ready for something new, uh, which means the boys, I'm super excited. The boys season two is coming out soon. And I am so excited for that. I loved first season one. So very, very so excited. I, I did like season one of the boys a lot. Uh, when I knew it was coming out, I jumped uh, jumped around to a couple different places and read a bunch of the comics. I do not like the comics, but I like the show. So I'm that way with Umbrella Academy. After season one, which I loved, I'm like, oh, this is great. I went and I downloaded the first issue of the comic. I read mm-hmm. three pages and it's like, nope, this is not that- for me. It's a very different, same story, but very different tone. Oh yeah, and just I did not care for the tone whatsoever. I was like, no, this is not as interesting. So I wanted, I would rather just watch the show and keep everything fresh, and you know, be surprised by things that probably comic readers already knew. So, yeah, honestly, that that's pretty good. the The comic for Umbrella Academy is super weird. Um, it uses a lot of really interesting storytelling techniques within the art. It's not a typical comic book. Um, and the storyline is mostly similar, but I really like the show. The show is an excellent adaptation. It's an excellent, excellent flavor. Um, they're almost the same story, but they're different enough for both to be really good. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Uh, and then just the last thing I'll say is I've been, um, I've been scanning a bunch of pre-gen characters. I have all these box sets for all these games that I've been running so um, I've had some time. So I've been scanning all the pregens in so that I can have them. So since I'm running so many games online, so like I'm running Numenera tomorrow, I was able to share a folder with the players and it has the pregens in them. Just like if you came to my table, I'd be able to give them out. Uh, so I've just been going through every pregen I have. And I have a really crappy scanner. So it's like a two minute per page. And like in both Force and Destiny and the Star Wars Edge of the Empire, they're like eight page character sheets. So that's like half an hour to get each one of those in there. Uh, and then so I'm like, I'm playing video games. I have my, my NES emulator. So I'm like, you know, grinding Dragon Warrior, which I've been streaming, getting more levels as I'm waiting for each page to finish scanning. <laughs> it only gets worse as you actually level up characters in the actual game. Well, again, this is, I only run one shots and these are pre-gen mm-hmm. so that they get what they get. Uh, but let's get, let's move on because we are in a little bit of a time crunch. Uh, so the next thing we like to do here is the first of our improv games, and it is 10 things. And this is where we're going to prompt each other to try to come up with a list of 10 things. These don't have to be good representations of the prompt. They're more important to be immediate, but uh, but we do what we can. Caleb, you're my special guest co-host today. So would you like to go first, second, or third as far as uh, doing the, the prompt, not giving it? I, I would like to go second. Okay. So then, uh, Chris, you prompt me. I'll prompt Caleb. Caleb prompts you. Okay. Uh, ten titles of books you would like to write. Um, everything I learned about D&D is wrong. 
One. Everything you know about D&D is wrong. Two. D&D is cool, but it's just mostly wrong. Uh, TTRPG's uh, way of life with a big question mark at the end. Um, politics. Who the F knows? Uh, man, um, scanning pregens made easy. Um, Kickstarters ruined my life. <laughs> Kickstarters made my life better. Uh, Zoom. I know how it works. And uh, The Dark Tower, just because that's a really cool book and I wish I wrote it. Thanks to Targus for giving me that prompt. <laughs> okay, so Caleb. Yes. Um, so you mentioned Bluey is -hmm. a great show and you mentioned that your daughter likes to go through a bunch of shows so i'll just say give me 10 shows that you have watched one episode of with your daughter daniel tiger what one sesame street two two uh uh clifford the big red dog three three clifford the big green dog because all colors are green to her right now okay Uh, uh, (laughs) um muppet babies five DuckTales. Six. Six. Um, the old school DuckTales. Seven. Seven. Gargoyles. Eight. Eight. She was not into it. Uh, I so was. She got some good taste. That's probably was yours. <laughs> uh, Lilo and Stitch, the cartoon series. Okay. Nine. Which And uh, um, Bob's Burgers. Bob's Burgers. Yeah. Because she likes Bob's Burgers. Nice. So, quick interrupt. We took our kids to Disney land world but the one in florida uh they were a few years ago obviously not recently and the only thing john gable remembers about the entire experience is when we went on the lilo and stitch ride and how much he hated it it's this super duper long line you go inside and it's this round room and you strap in like you're going to go on like a roller coaster but nothing actually happens then there's just like this computer image hologram of Lilo jumping around and like spitting on people. And then there's like a water feature that squirts at you from the chair to make it as if it spit on you. And at the very end, he farts and the whole room <laughs> feels full of this like stinky stuff. He was livid about this. We had, we waited in line for like an hour and a half. This is like a five minute ride. It's so terrible. And he talks about all the time how much he hates that. His only experience, not, nothing great. He just remembers hating Lilo and Stitch Ride. So if anyone goes to Disneyland World in the next few years, skip that one. All right. So my digression's over. I'm sorry. Caleb, you can prompt Chris. All right. Uh, Chris, give us 10 things that are on the eight page long character sheet that should not be. Oh, uh, player notes. One. One. Bring your own notebook. Uh, Critical injuries, two. They don't need to be there. Uh, the talent trees, those Three. don't need Three. to be there. Uh, your player name, it's your character Four. sheet. You should have it in your hand. Uh, let's see. Uh, weird order, five. You don't need that. Uh, blue background, six. You don't need the blue background. Uh, rules explanations, seven. Because the game master should be responsible for that. Uh. Odd color pencil marks. Eight. Eight. Uh, my handwriting. Nine. Nine. 
and uh, little kids spilling things on it. Ten. Ten. Yay. We got to ten. We got to ten. Excellent. Uh, so as I mentioned earlier, again, some people have jumped in. I don't know. We're going to do the, the show's going to be a little bit different tonight. Uh, so we're actually now we're going to take a moment and do the Pelotonia raffle drawing. So Caleb, what, what? this is you, buddy. All righty. So uh, again, big thanks to everybody who volunteered and donated. Really do appreciate it. So we are going to uh, run down the list here. We had 10 different raffles. And um, the last one is a bundle of goodies. The other ones are all games. So for our first game being run by Alex uh, from Humanoid Games, running the excellent cyberpunk game Identico, we have, hold on, random number generator. Oh, okay. We might break the uh, space-time continuum on this one because the winner here is Mr. RKL. Who's oh. also running one of our games? Oh, crossover! So, way way to go, buddy! There, nice. Uh, raffle number two, uh, Mr. Chris Gray, Gray author on Twitter, uh, running one of his games. He is currently kickstarting American witches, Gothic witches, something like that. Something like that. I should have been prepared to promote that. Sorry, He's been Chris. on our show a couple times. He's done show and tell. So, if you're interested, you can search his name and get to his stuff. Yeah, he's a solid guy. And winner here is, oh, the boys over at Axon Punk, oh. who are also running a Kickstarter right now for another cyberpunk game that I really like. Axon, it's like upgraded Axon Punk, right? Yeah, it's uh, just an upgraded version, new art, new features. Uh, I know they're pretty close to finishing, and I think they're trying to get to a stretch goal of including a cookbook, which... Y'all know how I feel about food in my cyberpunk games. Yeah. If you remember. And you can go Not listen you. to Axon Punk. We, we have interviews with them and the actual play. What a coincidence. I know. It's almost like there's a connection between you, me, and everyone else in the world. Wow. <laughs> All right. Uh, raffle number three, which is that that way, that Chris, this way. Yes. That, that guy right there. Uh, running some Star Wars or maybe Shadow of the Demon Lord. And the winner here is... Oh! Worst GM on Twitter. Another Chris, I believe. There's plenty of those. There's there's lots know. of them. Uh, like, all right. Like Michaels. <laughs> too many mics. Wait. Uh, raffle number four. Uh, our friend Lord Neptune, Ryan, is going to be running... Um, the Chimera game that he has been working on. Fun that system. winner is standby, standby. Oh, another friend from Twitter, Viking Bear, Eli. Way to go, buddy! Congrats. Uh, raffle number five. Our own fearless leader, Michael, whichever direction you are, uh, probably running D and D because that's what you do. I'll run anything. Whoever wins, they can pick. But yeah. And that winner is, oh, hey, Steph, Scarlet Firefly from Twitter. Oh, nice. Um, our sixth raffle had no entries. We will skip over that in oh. memory. Raffle number seven, good buddy RKL, probably running Descent into Midnight, a fantastic game that is being developed here. That winner is random number generator calculating. We, we had them on the show. There's 
Richard. I can't say his last name right. Groot's Richard. It's all RKO. Yeah. <laughs> it's a weird turn. <laughs> we should probably stop. So the winner of RKL's game. It'll get funny is... again if we keep going. Oh, okay, so we'll keep going. <laughs> the, the winner is Carmen Biomouse on Twitter. Congrats, friend. Uh, game. Whoops, lost my screen. I have so many screens open right now, folks. It's it's bonkers. Uh, <laughs> raffle number eight. Uh, Eric from Gamers Table running a game of Shadowrun which from what I understand is actually going to be either canon or very influential to his current actual play, Resting Glitch Face. That winner is Eugene, Eugene K. Uh, I don't have a Twitter handle, but congrats, Eugene. Uh, Next raffle is mine, because I threw some games out there. Um, As I said on the flyer, I'm drawing five winners from this um, from from this uh, pool here so raffle drawing number one is Stacy you all know Stacy from podcasting land oh, yeah. definitely Stacy sure. on Twitter um, raffle drawing number two out of my pool Stacy again I, I might job, be Stacey. running a campaign for Stacy yeah yeah uh raffle drawing number three starlit firefly number four stacy it's rigged it's it's got to be rigged rigged by making a lot of donations with a lot of tickets Uh, and number five it's like that guy at a catacomb who wins like everything in the raffle every year that was RKO for a couple years but it was like Baron I think it's Baron Seleski or something he he goes through any thing that doesn't have a whole bunch of tickets he'll drop enough in and he wins like half the prize yeah Uh, I I do remember one year though where RKL won he's cleaned up good that one year yeah yeah and drawing number five out of mine is again (laughs) Stacy. I promise you this was not rigged in any way. Stacy just overloaded the bucket with a lot of tickets. She must like you. I can't get rid of her. I've been trying all these years, but she stuck through me, even though I'm a jerk. Thanks, Stacy. Nice. And then raffle number 10, which is the prize bundle. Which now includes a, whole, a dice bag. Which now includes a dice bag with possible mystery gifts. Yep. A whole bunch of PDFs. Uh, some physical stuff, uh, all kinds of goodies, some uh, print-and-play minis. That winner is Robert, uh, Mr. Stobert on Twitter. Congratulations. Yay! So, again, thank you, everybody. I will be uh, tweeting out an announcement when we have a second here, and then I'll be putting y'all in touch with GMs and going on from there. Very cool. Well, congratulations Yay. on the success of the raffle, and uh, just again the the lady who I'm running for, uh, just get me in touch with them. But I'll I'll run any system that I know to run. It doesn't have to be D and D, but that's cool too. So, okay, so now we're going to move into we're actually going to do cryptozoology next uh, because we may not have time to circle back to used books. And Caleb again being our extra special guest co hoax co host, not hoax. Uh, Brought yeah, a I'm monster a that I had never 
heard of before. Now, usually when we do these, I've at least got passing familiarity. I may not have used these monsters, but, I, you know, it's it's rare for me to be completely like, what the blank is that? But I was what the blank is that today. So, Caleb, please educate me and the rest on what the heck a chrono tier is. All right. So I went back into the history books here to find a chrono tier. A chrono tier is a giant 12 foot tall bird made of adamantine who okay. also has an extra set of human arms. It okay. considers itself to be the master of time and space. Don't we it all? Has, don't we all? Yep. Uh, it has two brains, two completely all. different personalities, two different thought patterns. Steve and, Martin, man with two brains. Yep. It can not only have conversations with itself, but it can take two full rounds worth of actions in one round. Um, it is resistant to almost everything it has bonkers damage reduction and damage resistance it has bonkers spells it has a special ability where it knows everything and makes all knowledge checks no matter what it is at a really good bonus it can fling its adamantine feathers at you if it wants to uh it has ridiculous spells and spell-like abilities including things like temporal stasis and time stop so would you mind showing the the picture because I, I hear you're flipping the actual book and it comes yes. from the fiend folio this is the yeah. 3.5 fiend folio uh it might have been the actually the old 3.0 i don't remember uh, uh but it's super old this book is crazy y'all <laughs> there is bonkers stuff in this book um there's there he okay. is. Okay. Our right. lighting's terrible, but look at no, that guy. That's fine. I, yeah. I got it. So the, the one thing it is missing definitely is something for scale. Because you mentioned it was like bigger than a human, like 12 feet tall or something. So I, I would assume if, if this guy's 12 foot tall, a human would probably be like there-ish. Yeah. Uh, that yeah. is, as we say on Sesame Street, a big bird. Big bird. Yeah. Big bird. Yeah. yeah. So, so there's my, oh, sorry, hit my mic. There's my guy. Okay. Um, wow. Yeah. Uh, so Tom Sparrow's asking for a, a, a spelling. Uh, root, root word, please. Root word, please. Can uh, you use it in a sentence, please? Uh, this chrono term is ridiculous. Don't put it in your game. That's, that's how you use it in a sentence. Uh, chrono term, C-H-R-O-N-O-T-Y-R-Y. Okay, so it's like uh, T Y R N is it's like so it's like basically time chrono and then T Y R N. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't get is it. Is that is that like a bird <laughs> num name? Like is turn? Uh, okay, all right. So I've never heard of this before. Nope. It sounds okay. My my first thought is that it's sort of like what I envision a, a sphinx being in a game. You don't put a Sphinx in the game for your players to fight it. You put a Sphinx in the game for your players to interact with it. Obviously, Sphinx are like, you know, riddles mm -hmm. and such. But this seems to be more like a powerful ally or enemy that shows up, messes with your world for a little bit. You have a fun roleplay situation where your DM is trying to maintain two conversations at once and fails miserably, but it's still fun. 
have you ever actually used this creature in a game? No, I have not. <laughs> has okay. anybody? Has yeah? Well, throw it up to the audience right now. Has anyone <laughs> a heard of this stupid thing, and two <laughs> ever actually used it or experienced it in a game you played? So I have to assume there's a reason why you chose it. Then is there something about it that you find interesting or evocative? Uh, yeah, it's awesome, <laughs> and it should be in more games. Look, the Fiend Folio was one of those books that they wrote back in the day when there was a million and a half splat books. And I, I really think it was just every idea that had been on the drawing board at one point, and they said, that's dumb. We're not printing that. And then they ran out of things to print, so they picked up all those Post-it notes and printed them. Because other things in this book are like, there's, there's flat out uh, a xenomorph, from aliens um there's really weird zombie creatures uh there's a, there's just like weird bugs uh there's a lot of really weird templates if you remember back in the old three point whatever day there were yeah, like templates, templates you could slap on monsters to make stupid stuff even worse yes this is just a bonkers book um, does that again? I apologize for keeping interrupting you, but is the author is this like a Monty Cook thing? Do we know who who's designed that? Let's find out. Let's learn together. <laughs> um, Eric Cagle, Jesse Decker, James Jacobs, Eric Mona, Matt Cernet, Chris Thompson, James Wyatt. I think I've heard of one of those people. Not that that means anything, but just, but it wasn't yeah. yeah, it wasn't like top of the line designers for three point oh. I, I mean, yeah, this this may have just been like an experiment to see. See, what I think you do. I think this was created by the guy who gets frustrated because it's he's got the party that they walk into the bar, they see the angel sitting in the corner, and they attack it. Yes, the game master's like, okay, let's play. And he throws this at them, and they just keep hitting it with everything, and it doesn't do any damage. And this thing's having two conversations with itself, and it's like, why are they doing this? Oh, I really need to tell them this. And then they can have that conversation while they're attacking it, and the GM can just kind of laugh and go, are you done yet? Have you gotten the clue that you need to listen to him to get your mission? That's why, yeah. That's how I would use him. I, I definitely see it as a quest giver or a source of information because it knows everything i i could definitely see it as a big bad final boss when you get to epic high level fighting he could be really cool as an ongoing enemy over an entire campaign he's got time control powers he's got crazy magic spells and spell like abilities he could always be flirting in and out of the story his agents could be doing things um and since he's got two brains he could be the good guy and the bad guy oh wow that is awesome which could really mess with your players when they get to the big bad guy and they think he's the good guy but he's really (sighs) flip-flopping personalities he could be like his own inside agent feeding you uh yeah it's good cop, bad cop from Lego Movie. Yeah. 
Definitely. So the good so the good cop shows up every now and then and like like writes a note and sends it off, but the other brain doesn't realize it's happening. And com- man, like that would be hard to role play though without just being like meta. Like, okay, here's what's happening. You know, like in the mo, like you could do it like if they're sending their agents or you're getting messages, but like in the moment where you're actually there with this thing. And all the players are like, hey, dude, what's up? And they're like trying to high five it and it like slashes them with its adamantine feathers. And then like the good guy parts like controlling one arm and it's like trying to use sign language. And like that, my head is starting to hurt thinking about how that would work. That would be really entertaining, though. It would be. It would be a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, I, I can see it almost like um, this popped in my head is Dr. Dinosaur from the Atomic robo comic and, uh, and the game uh, yep. where he pops in it talks to each other so it sounds like it's you know literally insane uh does something that doesn't seem to make any sense at the moment because it has to do with time like you know it's like mm-hmm. it moves a salt shaker two feet to the left and it's like aha and then disappears but you don't find out till later that that caused the apocalypse or that stopped the apocalypse <laughs> because if the salt shaker had been in the wrong spot like it would have knocked over and a fairy would have been trapped there or whatever um, but the, I think that's how I would want to use them as just like an agent of chaos that at the end of the campaign, I could be like, so here's what that meant and try to make it all make sense. You you could even do something along those lines. Like he pops up randomly, no explanation. You don't get it. And then somehow the story takes you to maybe rescuing him from some sort of weird time prison and you have to rescue him so that he can go back in time and do those things you saw him do. Because uh, if he doesn't do them, then then there's an anomaly or something. Yeah. What if he's the head of the time police and the entire time he's been testing you and then at the end of the campaign, he recruits your party to come help him keep time and space in order. I mean, we're kind of getting into Umbrella Academy territory there a little bit with the, the commission. <laughs> but still, I mean, that's not a bad thing. That, that would be very entertaining. Uh, just going back to the whole final confrontation where the, he's there uh, with you. Because he can cast two spells. He can do two things in every turn. Fine. So yeah. he can basically cast like a fireball and like a heal spell or counter yep. spell himself. You know, yep. so like both hands are choking. I, again, my brain is kind of melting thinking about that, but it might be kind of fun. All right. All right. So anything else we can think of how we could use this creature uh, that wouldn't just make the entire party be like flip the table and know we're out? Is there a, is it challenge rating? Is that the term they used to use? Uh, yes. 19. So I don't remember what those numbers mean though, but I think that uh, means the party's level needs to be an average of 19 with for the most part. players, five, whatever. Oh, there was give or take. Formula. Yeah. yeah. It, it's definitely intended to be an epic level um, encounter. Way, way back in the day, you would get DR based on the modifiers of your weapon. This guy had a DR 20 to a plus three. So that means he would always negate 20 damage unless your weapon was a plus three or better, which is super expensive and crazy. And he also had uh, resistance 20 to pretty much all elemental damage. So just 20 points off of any kind of fireball, lightning spell, bonkers. 
Well, most weapons had elemental damage oh, added yeah. to them. Oh, so yeah. Negate that. So, yeah. You, you basically could not touch this guy, and he could sling two rounds worth of spells at you in a second. Hmm. Uh, I, I could see using him as... Like, like he's in, uh, he's locked away somewhere. And maybe it's not a prison. Maybe he's just in a different dimension or he's on a different plane. And you have to do a quest to unlock the planar gate or prove to him you're good enough. And then, or maybe prove to someone else that you're good enough. And then you get this guy as your partner to get through some sort of secondary really crazy quest or he's the guy that has to open the portal that lets mm -hmm. you go save the princess type thing yeah maybe the maybe the thing that you need to find the princess the key the artifact whatever it existed decades ago centuries ago and it was lost and the only way to use it now is to go back in time so you have to find this guy go back in time find the magic whatever and then bring it back to the future to stop the big bad apocalypse or whatever think about how hard that would be to convince both personalities to join it oh to join you and your cause. that could make a really cool role-playing scene is you know the, the bard is trying to convince one personality and the paladin's trying to convince the other or however you want to play that mm -hmm. and that that could be a really cool role-playing scene yeah i like the the idea of maybe this isn't like a race of beings like this is the only one mm -hmm. and it's actually two versions of itself from two different time periods that you know mm -hmm. you know you're not supposed to meet your time period self and yeah. that's why it has two distinct brains is because it's actually two versions of itself that have merge together uh so again the, the idea is to try to unmerge them which might even mean killing one of the two because if they don't unmerge then that's going to cause like a temporal you know back like a star trek next generation go backwards in time and life never happens situation uh so yeah i like the idea that it's just the same version like maybe two seconds off or or what if it you had two different versions of reality that somehow got merged together. And there's these weird little artifacts of the wrong version of something that's apparent or the wrong version of a person or a location. But this guy, he's the only one that knows what's actually happening because he got merged into one body. And you're, you're adventuring to do whatever. You find him along the way, you realize, oh, these are two completely separate worlds. And you work with him to maybe separate them. But then the question becomes, well, which which version am I? Mm -hmm. Am I going to go back to world A? Am I going to stay in world B? Is my friend, my partner, my spouse, where are they going to go? That, that could be kind of cool too. What if you ran two different parties with two different groups of players that are playing the same characters, then they meet at the end. Oof. like yeah like you're running almost the same adventure but you've got two different two separate groups playing the characters 
and then you get to the end and magic magic whatever now both versions are there so yeah. two different people are playing joe the fighter uh there's actually a game that tom and i have ran a couple of times at a convention that's sort of based on it's a two table game where each party is essentially an alternate reality version of each other one mm. comes from a very magical rich world another comes from like a very low magic desolate wasteland planet and once they get near the end they start switching places so like we'll take you know like number four you have to now go to that table and you have to go to this table and then they don't realize that they're in the opposite world. They look kind of the same, but one might be a bard in one world and a rogue in the other, but they basically look the same. Um, mm. And so that adds that t- table hopping. So it definitely could work. May- again, more of like a con game more than a campaign yep. for me. That's how I would want to do it. But definitely you could do something very similar to that where you have alternate versions of each other jumping back and forth between each reality and having to interact with their friends who in like one world – you might be lovers and the other you hate each other and your rivals mm-hmm. and like dealing with the role play of wait i thought we were married and now you're <laughs> trying to kill me well no that, that that actually is the same thing uh we were friends and you're trying to kill me yeah he could uh he could just be the typical generic super powered being that pulls people together for gladiatorial combat mm-hmm. a la thor ragnarok or beyonder secret yep. war situation yep yeah he could be the only one aware of x and existential universe threat and he has to collect you for stuff and he could just be the source of of knowledge and power when you need him to okay uh, i think this is very cool uh but i'm trying to watch the clock here and i know that Caleb has to go fairly soon. I got like five, ten more minutes. And I'm pretty sure that uh, New York Tater would flip the, the table wherever he is if we don't do where my fingers been. So we we have to at least have time for that. So uh, probably got time for one more. Any any other thoughts, Chris, you can think of on how to use this or, or following along our, our thoughts process already, just to button it up or anything? Uh, maybe he's the center of a magical storm that's going across the world. So then you can play around with some wild magic and he's caught up in that. And once you free him, you stop the storm or kill him if you're high enough level. I like the idea of like the repeating day, almost like a groundhog day thing where you, uh, you know, and it's a pretty boring day. Like you go into town, you go to the inn, blah, blah, go to sleep. And then you get the next day, you're walking into town again. And, you know, this goes on for a little while. And then you realize that this chrono turn is, has to be dealt with, but that kind of thing. Oh, that's the game I want to play. That's it, right there. <laughs> Palm Springs meets uh, Groundhog Day because there's more than one of them. Yes, nice. All right, so we will wrap it up there. But uh, again, there's there's been a lot of chatter back and forth in chat too about some stuff here. I think there's definitely some gold ideas in there that maybe uh, if anyone does end up playing, you know, anyone listening now or maybe listening in the future uh, would love. Um. To hear how it went, if you've ever used it or if you take one of our suggestions. Uh, so, yeah. So, we're going to jump into Where My Fingers Been, which is everyone's favorite and least favorite part of the game. <laughs> this is another little silly improv game. Caleb, once again, you're the extra special guest co-host today. Would you like to go first, second, or third? Uh, I forget how to play this game, so let me go third. <laughs> okay. Um, so, you prompt Chris. Chris will prompt me. I'll prompt you. Uh, but remember, Chris, before you, you have to do the song first. Do the song first, then he gives me the thing, yep. right? So basically, he's going to sing a little song. At the end, he's going to say, where have my fingers been? You're going to then tell him 
where his fingers have been, and he will have to create a scene using his fingers as puppets in the scene that you described. Okay, okay, okay. All right. I gotta remember the song. Oh, where have my fingers been? Said, where have my fingers been? Yeah. Chipotle. <laughs> the one restaurant I've never been to. Perfect. <laughs> hey, I'm really excited to go here. You're losing so much weight. Can you really find anything good to eat here? Uh, I'm sure I will. Michael says it's a great place. Really? And he's lost all that weight? Yeah. All right. Well, let's go eat. And that's where my fingers are done. Because <laughs> I absolutely know nothing about Chipotle. Fantastic. Uh, thank you. Identico is now following us. I got the little pop-up that happened in the stream. Because, again, Tom's a genius and he told me all that kind of good stuff. All hey. right. Uh, so, Chris, you will now prompt me where my fingers have been. So, where have my fingers been? I said, where have my fingers been? Uh, stuck on a ride that you've been really excited to go to, and it keeps farting at you every two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't believe we're here. I know. It's crazy. Like, the entire park is shut down because no one's supposed to be out. We snuck in like in that movie, and we're on this ride. It's crazy. I know. But at the same time, did someone take a big hairy in the car? Because it really stinks. Actually, that was me. I had Chipotle before we came here, and that's where my fingers have been. <laughs> oh, that was a good callback. Very good. <laughs> All right, let's shake it out. Let's shake, shake it, it out. Sure. Lion face, sad face. Lion face, sad face. Where have my fingers been? Say, where have my fingers been? Your fingers are bailing other fingers out of jail for breaking into an amusement park. <laughs> all right. Do you have all the stuff? Uh, I have the duffel bag. Did you fill the duffel bag? No. Okay. So we have to fill the duffel bag first. We can't do anything. Can I order it on Amazon Prime? No, because they use the post office and the post office isn't running. Damn it. Let's go to Best Buy. Okay. That's where my fingers have been. Yay! Yay! Where have my fingers been? Amazon, Best Buy, or the post office. <laughs> those are like the, 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 the three tripods that keep America running. If if those three go down, it's just the chaos. Most part, yeah. Uh, you know, mass hysteria, cats and dogs living together. All right, so we're going to jump into Q&A. Uh, Caleb will stick around for as long as he can, but he's going to have to jump off. When he jumps off, there's a very good chance, in fact, I like 99%, that our little Zoom windows are going to go crisscrossy, and I have no idea if you're going to be able to see Chris and I, but we're going to carry on through through the audience Q&A. Uh, we're not going to do used books tonight, and um, we will um, – We'll, we'll come back to it next time when we uh, have a little bit more time. So there's a bit of a delay, even more so now than usual because we're on a bit of a delay because my internet sucks. But if anyone has any questions in chat you'd like to ask me, Caleb, or Chris, it uh, doesn't have to be RPG-related, but that certainly helps. We will certainly like to do that. While we're waiting for uh, chat to, to catch up, Caleb, uh, where can people find you and your stuff on the internet if they want to get in touch with you? So I am on Twitter at G. And Instagram at the same handle. And that's pretty much it. All right. So Dirty Habanero says, be careful about the post office shots. I, I think we say that lovingly because we're frustrated 
with yes. what's happening. We don't support what's going on with the post office. We love it. We want it to thrive and survive and all those who work for it to be able to Absolutely. do their job was, uh, to the best of their ability it, without interference it, from others. It was a jest in love trying to make light of a terrible situation that is weighing heavily on all of our hearts and consciences and making life very difficult. Yes. Uh, all right. So, Chris, again, while we're waiting for anybody in chat, do you have any questions? Where can people find you and your stuff on the Internet? Uh, Twitter, uh, Burlu underscore Chris. Because somebody else already had Chris Burlu, so I had to flip-flop it. Jerks. Uh, yep. Uh, Redemption Podcast. You can find that on pretty much any podcatcher. Uh, there's still some episodes out there of uh, Tales of Blood and Stone, and we have recently recorded a few new episodes. Ooh. So... Once the world gets a little calmer and we can all get back to doing some recording and editing, we're going to try to get that going again. Nice. Cool. Very, very cool. Uh, so as for myself, uh, again, at the RPG Academy, pretty much everything I do can be found there because I won't stop talking about it. Uh, so basically, I will shower you with notices like, hey, this is what I'm doing. Uh, the only thing that maybe isn't on there a lot is the Farm to Fable, which is the Smallville podcast that I started. Uh, we have recorded all... The first 20 episodes of season one, I have the season finale left. Uh, most of them have already been um, edited, but there's a couple more, but they're coming out weekly. Episode 15 came out uh, this week. So there's six more episodes left in season one. We're going to take a little bit of a break and then jump into season two. The Acaticon Kickstarter goes live in two weeks from yesterday. Super, super excited about that. Uh, Tom Sparrow asked about the Discord. Uh, so anybody who wants to join the Discord can. We just don't publicly post the invite because we had some people very early on jump in and be jerks and had to get banned. Uh, so you can either find me on Twitter, find me on Facebook, and I will DM you an invite. Or if you don't do either of those things, you can email me uh, at the RPG Academy at Gmail. Just put this as Tom Sparrow on an invite from the Discord and I'll it'll get to you right away. Uh, and thank you, Dirty Havano, for reminding me. Yes, we do have a Patreon. Uh, if you would like to uh, support us monetarily, we certainly would not be upset about that whatsoever. Um, you can go to patreon.com slash the RPG Academy uh, for as little as a dollar a month. Uh, you can help us do all the things that we do, uh, including buying these new lights that make my face look so good here uh, on the stream. As opposed to my terrible lights that yes. make me look like this. <laughs> I'm in the middle. All right. So Tad has a question. Uh, if you are a player and a never-changing DM forces me into a situation where I have to change the sexual orientation of my character because they are uncomfortable, what should I do? All right, so that's a that's a big question. Um, so the, the GM is uncomfortable with the character's orientation? That's what it sounds like. So never-changing DM um, is in quotation marks. So I, I feel like it's uh, a DM who... Uh, doesn't feel comfortable with Tad playing the sexual orientation that they are. We don't need to get into specifics as what it is, but basically there's a situation where players playing a character in a way that the DM doesn't like, but the, neither one wants to change their approach. What should they do? Uh, so big surprise. I'm going to say this would have been a great session zero conversation that before we ever actually got to the table, uh, we would talk about the characters we're playing, the tone of the game, and this would have been a great time for that to come up. 
but certainly possible that maybe that didn't happen or we didn't know that it was something we need to talk about. Uh, it's going to be an adult conversation, probably away from the table so that there aren't other people involved and ask a bunch of good questions as to like, why is my character making you uncomfortable? Is it that I'm going to use an example, but let's say uh, Tad is playing a sexual orientation that isn't their own. And the DM just thinks, there's no point in that. You know, you're you're straight, you're playing gay, you're gay, you're playing straight, whatever. Uh, I don't see the point of playing opposite of what you actually are. That might be something we talk about. Is it just that they don't want to deal with someone that um, is playing a sexual orientation that maybe they don't agree with? Uh, but you're going to have a big adult conversation. And as Targaryen's jumped in, that might just be a game you don't play in. If If you're making the DM uncomfortable, then either that's not a game for you or one of the two of you is going to have to make a change. And this isn't even bringing into the fact that other players at the table may also be involved. So without, you know, having the actual specifics is harder to say, but big boy or big girl conversations as adults with the DM, one of you is going to have to bend or you're just going to have to be like, this isn't the game for me and go find a different table to play with people who more align with what you're wanting from the game. Uh, anything so, either of you would add to that? I'm I'm going to try to answer, and then we're going to have an experiment because I do have to vacate the premises. Sure. Okay. Uh, I very much agree with you. I think I think game safety, player safety, and comfort is super important, especially in this day and age. Uh, I think if something is happening at the table that is definitely making you feel uncomfortable. That should be a very tough grown-up conversation, and ultimately, if it's an uh, unstoppable force versus an unbreakable wall, yep, you got to go two different ways. Don't force yourself to do something that you don't feel comfortable doing. We're playing a game. We're playing pretend. You should have fun. This is for entertainment. This is not a job. This is not a chore. (laughs) You, You should be allowed to have fun when you're playing an awesome game. So one thing I would say here, and again, Caleb, if you have to jump off, you know. Thank you all. I will see you soon. Yeah. So again, when he jumps off, things are probably going to go screwy here, but we're going to keep, yep. We're going to keep going at least for a little bit. Um, Yeah. Actually, I wonder if I can. All right. I'm going to worry about it. Um, (laughs) So for example, this is weird. Uh, One of the games I played in for a while was on on the podcast for a while. I decided that I've never used a voice before. Like I've, I've, I've joked about it, but I'm not good at voices. I never actually tried to use a, a, a voice character voice. And then I decided one time that I would, and I decided to do a Jamaican voice and my heart was in the right place. I wasn't trying to be insensitive. I wasn't trying to be stereotypical or a caricature, but that's what it turned out to be like. And it was like, I had fun. The players were laughing at my, my bad Jamaican accent. Um, and it wasn't until later that I started thinking, you know what? Even though I wasn't trying to be insensitive, it probably was. It was probably insensitive. So I've actually went back and taken those episodes off the podcast because I felt like I didn't want someone to think that I was being insensitive. And that's that's not what I wanted. And I've had a similar situation. Like for a long time, I wouldn't allow people to play cross gender. If you were a guy, you had to play a guy character. If you were a girl, you had to play a girl character. And the only reason I did that is because every time that didn't happen, it was awful because I was playing with a bunch of 
immature people because I was immature too. I mean, this was back mm-hmm. when I was in college and high school and stuff. But basically, if a guy played a girl at my table, ninety nine point nine 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 percent of the time, it was so that they could get naked. get naked with everything mm-hmm. and anything. They just wanted to have that weird fantasy of sleeping around, whatever. And so I just got to the point where, like, you know what? I'm just not going to deal with that. But now I've got to the point where I feel like there are people who could play cross gender. And do it very well. In fact, probably the favorite character I've ever played was Army from Rod Iron, which was a cross-gender. It was a, a female character. Loved playing her. She's, again, one of, if not my favorite character I've ever played. But it was not about me just trying to, like, get my rocks off by playing a girl. So that would be part of my question is if you're playing a sexual orientation that's not your own, is it because you're trying to explore something and there's actually, like, you know, you're you're interested in trying to see a world from a different point of view or are you playing a caricature? You know, if you're playing, you're a straight person, you're playing just a over the top flamboyant gay person. And that's like funny. Then I, as the DM would be like, no, I, do, I don't want you to do that either. Uh, but if it's someone like the DM is just like, yeah, honestly, maybe a bigot. And they just like, I don't like gay people. So I don't want anyone to play a gay person at my table, whether they're gay or straight. That's a straight no for me, and I'm not going to participate in that type of game. So, so there's so many things about it that that come down to a good session zero, adult conversations, and making sure that you're comfortable with the people that you're playing with. All right, I'm going to see if I can fix this now while you're talking. Okay. I, I agree with what you said. To me, uh, role-playing is our escape from what's going on in the world. So you should be able to play the character that you want to play and have fun with. And if you want to explore something new in a character, you should be able to. At the same time, I think you should be comfortable playing that character. And I think that the game master should do everything they can to make you comfortable. I shouldn't say make, allow it to to happen and uh, create an environment where you're having fun with it. So if the game master's not willing to bend, I kind of agree. It's probably not the game that you should be in. Or maybe you should, you know, if you, if you really want to stay in that game, then you might have to make a new character just to make them happy and then take that character and play that character in a different game. It's a, I mean, it's a tough situation. And as a GM, sometimes it is tough to keep things happy for players. And sometimes you feel like you want to kind of, put your foot down and go, no, this is the way it's going to be. I just feel like this is kind of the wrong spot unless you're being offensive with it. If you're being offensive with it, then yeah, I would probably say, hey, let's rein that back. Right. Now, I'm running a, a Star Wars game that has a person who, when we started the game, was male playing female. Uh, Kaylee has since then, or is in the process of transitioning. So, uh, you know, I think the character helped her kind of explore some of that. And mm-hmm. I think playing the game and, be, and feeling comfortable with the character and comfortable with herself, I think that helped a lot. And yeah. we did everything we could to encourage that. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, it's, it really is a big, big weighty question. And I do appreciate Tad asking it, um, you know, again, but keep in mind that, Currently, there's two straight white dudes that are trying to ex- answer this. We may not be the most experienced. As far as I know, Caleb's straight, too. But I don't know. Never asked him. Um, 
so you've had three straight white dudes probably taught trying to explain this and it's definitely more complex uh so trying to get away from sexual orientation and just say if i'm playing a character the dm doesn't like and it's like hey can you play a different character then it's going to be um questions like why you know is it you just don't yeah. like it is it disruptive i mean it's possible there's another person in the game who maybe isn't comfortable with their sexuality and seeing this character acting that way is making them uncomfortable and they've said something to the dm and you don't know that so it's you know i think we we can keep answering forever but it's going to come to have a an adult conversation with the the dm and either sorry i'm trying to read chat as we go um so either you're going to agree to change they're going to agree not to make you change or you need to find a different table uh new york tater took off they're already gone i'm sorry but thank you for joining uh and then we also had uh someone else but currently their chat isn't up i think it's like wota uh jumped in wasn't familiar with that name uh thank you for joining us and hanging out with us as well uh so any other questions that two straight dudes can try to answer about (laughs) role-playing games uh before we move on uh yeah, I do appreciate the question though. I, I just yeah. I don't want anybody to think that I feel like I'm an authority on this. I'm not. I've played a couple female characters. I've enjoyed playing them, and I have in my past played characters terribly trying to do things that I'm not. And it's you know again I, I use the Jamaican conversation because it's probably safer in a way. I don't want, because I I don't want to ever make anybody uncomfortable. I thought I was trying to do something well. And looking back at it, I was not. And I decided to pull those episodes because it was borderline offensive just through ignorance. And, you know, it could be something along those lines where maybe you don't see yourself uh, doing something insensitive, but maybe it is. So I don't know. Anyway, I think we're done with that. So let's move on again. (laughs) There's a bit of a delay. So we'll wait a few seconds. Um, If anybody else in chat has any other questions, we'll take those. If not, uh, we'll move on. Um, And then I did fix our windows for you and i there's the third window is like the bottom halves of us it's weird but it, it should be fine for shorter than it is no no don't worry no tad i asked you to ask a question i wanted you to ask a question and we we answered it as best we can i just think that's a question that like we could spend an hour answering it and still yeah. not do a better or worse job so i just want to kind of you know i, I want to move on but it's not because i don't value the question i just I don't think I have anything else more to say. If I keep talking, I'm just going to make it worse, not better. We could spend a whole episode talking about that. And I think the best would be to bring uh, people who are, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? More accustomed to. Or just a variety, someone. There you go. Yeah. Variety was the word I was looking for. A variety of people that could really weigh in on that. Uh, I think you have two people who are very much of the mindset of if you're having fun, like you're not wrong, right? but everybody needs to have fun. So, yeah. Uh, so it is WOTA, W-O-T-A-H. Uh, they jumped in and oh. um, uh, again, I don't remember seeing that name before. So thank you for joining us. I don't know if you're a listener to the podcast, uh, just haven't joined Discord or joined this before or just found us, whatever, but happy to have you with us. Uh, Targus asks, who is cast in the Forbidden Lands campaign? Um, so we haven't settled on a system. Forbidden Lands is certainly in that list. It's in the short list, but I don't know that it's going to be Forbidden Lands. Uh, we don't have a cast yet either, but I, the interested parties include Caleb, Matt, 
Brad, Lisa, and Ryan. Actually, other Ryan. So two Ryans um, are are the ones. These are all faculty or extended faculty from when we had the network uh, that uh, that might be joining in whenever we get started. But there's no real timetable. But I am going to be running a trial of Forbidden Lands that we're going to record uh, soon. And there's a few people that are interested in that as well. Uh, Ramey asked about a quick pitch for Numenera. Are you familiar with Numenera, Chris? Yes. Okay. Do you want to give the quick pitch then so that I'm not talking all the time? Ooh, I wouldn't say I'm a super expert. Uh, Numenera is set kind of in the future. If I'm right, there's nine civilizations that have existed. It's it's a billion years in Earth's future. Yes, there's different civilizations stacked on top of each other. So there's lots of neat things you can find. A lot of the magic items are kind of one shots. Uh, it's very, like the, a very kind of narrative the way you describe the characters. Like you might have a, a quick fighter or a swift thief. Um, I've only played it a few times, so I'm not super familiar with it. Uh, a lot of storytelling is is real easy with it. I I personally have a little bit of a hard time wrapping my head around the setting. Because the idea of things just laying around that are useful, but nobody really uses them, kind of twists my head a little bit. But I guess that's part of the appeal for some people. Uh, it's a D20 system. Sort of. Too much. Yeah. 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 Uh, you got, again, I'm by no means an expert either, but uh, but yeah, it's the ninth world. So there's been eight civilizations that have spanned the world and fallen. And, you know, if you, uh, you know, look at what in, in true like cosmonology i think that's the right word there's a good chance our earth won't be here in a billion years like their sun's going to explode and kill our universe or our, our galaxy uh but that didn't happen in this world some something probably some alien technology has kept that from happening or whatever uh so there's all kinds of technology that lays around that is so old that no one knows what it does so you might have someone that has found something that they're using as like a stove because when they hit a couple buttons, it gets hot and they're able to cook food on it, but it's mm-hmm. actually designed to be like a teleporter. And if they hit certain combinations of buttons, it'll explode. Uh, and those are called ciphers. And those are things that you go about and you explore and you find. And uh, so there's a lot of like ancient ruins that are actually like super advanced technology that no one understands. So when you go underground into a temple, it might actually be a spaceship or a satellite that has fallen and got covered by a million years of, you know, dirt and evolution change, all that kind of good stuff. Um, but the system is the player's role. DM never rolls. Everything is rated on a, uh, a scale of like one to 10. So like one being super, super easy, 10 being nearly impossible. And you have to roll equal to or above that number times three, which is really weird. And I don't like it. So I don't, I don't like that at all, but it's just the way it works. So for example, a a level five challenge, you're trying to jump a pit. And I say, this is a level five challenge. You need to roll a 15, but you might have abilities that say, Oh, I'm really good at jumping. So for me, instead of a five, it's a four. So now I got to roll above a 12 or, and someone might help you. And so now the four becomes a three. So now you only have to roll above a nine. And if you're able to get that number all the way down to zero, you don't have to roll at all. Uh, and you've got things that you're skilled at, things that you're specialized in, and then you have things that you are really, really bad at that you have to add. So if you're terrible at jumping, the pit for you is a six. So you have to roll over an 18. 
but it's very a narrative focused, a lot of role play, and a lot of just you know uh, things have descriptors, a lot of one use magic items, the ciphers that can rat like they're they can be minor or major. It's like kind of weird and wild how how vastly they change. Uh, but yeah, I'll run a a one shot of it called the Nightmare Switch. It's uh, I actually got it from a friend of a friend. Like it's not supposed to be something I was supposed to get a hold of. It's like it was like a Kickstarter only thing when it first came out. Uh, so not a lot of people have played it unless they already know Numenera very well. So if you've not played it, I can almost guarantee no one's played this adventure and it's a ton of fun. So we're playing it tomorrow with a bunch of people on the discord and I'm really looking forward to it because it is a lot of fun, even though it's not my favorite system. It does things that I really, really like. Um, so, uh, someone missed, so yeah, so the, the campaign that I'm going to be running is we still haven't settled on a, a system. Forbidden Lands is an option and it might end up being Forbidden Lands, but we haven't settled on that yet. Uh, someone else asked about our favorite new RPG. So again, I've been talking a lot, so I'll go back to you, Chris. Do you have a, a favorite newer, something you've maybe just come upon or just started playing? Not anything new. I honestly haven't played a lot of new stuff. I know we're going to do a Trial of the Battle Lords, yep. which I'm curious to see how that plays. Uh, kind of a space opera, I understand. Uh, yeah, I'm not super familiar with it either. It's called Battle Lords of the 23rd Century. Uh, it's like a sci- hard sci-fi game, uh, very militaristic. We're going to be doing a trial of it, I think, this weekend or next. Uh, it'll be out on the podcast yeah. probably a few weeks after once I get everything edited. Uh, but yeah, so I don't know much about it. Yeah, I just I haven't really had a, a lot of uh, a tension span for a new game right now. Mm-hmm. I've got a new board game I'm playing. Oh, what's that? Scythe. It's kind of a worker placement you, you, all right. It's hard to describe. Think an alternate world, uh, Russia, kind of a steampunk, nineteen forties type setting. Okay. You have different uh, factions that are vying for control of the land. So you're one part placing workers to collect resources. You're also racing to collect stars. And once somebody has six stars, the game's over. Okay. But a big part of it is you have to make sure your popularity is up with your people because final scoring is based on your popularity and then that multiplies your number of territories you command the resources you have left over the number of stars you have so i've lost the game many times by getting the final star but somebody else's popularity was high enough that they still scored more than i did even though they didn't have all the stars so So there's a a lot you have to look at. I can see where that would be frustrating. I mean, it, I do like the fact that it's not like the race to the six stars and then you win, that you do have those other factors you have to take into account. Yep. Uh, so, Targus, I completely agree. I think the only reason why they do that on Numenera is because they wanted it to be a D20 system. It, sh- it shouldn't be. It should not be a D20 system, but they wanted it to be. Uh, but, the ma- again, I'm not good at math, but I, it's the math is super easy, yeah. so I, I can handle that. Totally uh, should be a 2D6, right? Or just a D10, which is what Invisible Sun is, because everything's on our scale of 1 to 10. So if yeah. it's a 4, you just got to roll 4 higher on the D10. It's just run, rolling 1 D10 isn't fun. I don't. It's just at least it isn't for me. Um, I have that game, Scythe, but I've never played it. It's, I got it for a Catacon. It's literally still in the box. I don't even know if it's even been opened. Um, Wota asked about uh, any Modiphius 2D20 games. Uh, I've ran a... 
session of the Star Trek Adventures. So that's another game that I've ran fairly recently through the Discord. Uh, I have the starter set. I just basically read them, so I'm by no means an expert, but I did, did uh, uh, run it once, but I don't know it very is that, well. Is that the group that did Conan? Uh, yes. The, so Duty okay. 20 is kind of like their system yeah. so like and they do a lot of uh, ip stuff i think they did like a flash gordon they got the conan some other stuff i've played the conan one a couple of times yeah it's uh, good i liked uh, it I'd, I'd be interested in trying it but i, I don't have it at the, at the moment uh forbidden lands is probably my favorite new game that i've played i mean it's very much a fantasy game but it's not a type of fantasy it's, it's a type of game that if you've listened to any of my shows or listened to a lot of our podcasts you would probably think i wouldn't like because it's very crunchy and it's very deadly um, and it's a lot of random stuff, which I'm kind of against all of those things, but this game just kind of <laughs> works. Uh, it's, and it's just sort of fun in that almost silliness of how deadly it is and how like the random charts are just like, you know, holy crap, I rolled a D six and now you're fighting a giant squid, which happened in one of the games. And now I have to figure out how are you fighting a giant squid when you're not in the ocean? Um, so yeah, it's in a big pot. Yeah, I, I basically I put it like a in a big lake, so it's sort of like a, from Lord of the Rings type of a thing. Uh, but yeah, just, it was just I don't know, it a, just make it a Cthulhu. It yeah. pops out of an alternate yeah. universe and attacks you. It's a chaos thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's really really fun. Um, the The world that's set in is very interesting. It's got the the books are gorgeous and relative. It's like forty bucks for the box set. It has two books and a map. Uh, one of the things about the map that I really think is cool is that basically you get all these stickers and when you play a campaign, your group's map will end up being your map. So like when you roll in the random okay. chart, you might find that there's a, a, a ruined castle in, you know, hex I-7. So you put a little sticker on I-7 that shows that there's a ruined castle there and as you explore it. No other map might have that there. So when you're done, your campaign world will be different than anyone else's that plays. There are stickers for, for burial. So if I have a character die, you can put a little sticker to show where your character died in the world. And I just think, I mean, there's a part of me who's like, I'm never going to put stickers on stuff because it has to be perfect. Uh, but the other part of me is like, that's actually a really cool thing. And I think I already showed it, but their newest campaign setting, it's called uh, the Bitter Reach, which is like this, um, like, ice you know ice arctic cream. antarctic sort of situation where it's basically you know everything is frozen you can't hardly find food you always constantly have to find heat or or, or you're going to die so that the environment can kill you as quickly as anything and we're going to be doing a review of that very soon and it's it's a it's just the books are super easy to read uh we did a, a review very recently for a book that i liked but i had the hardest time reading it like it was like reading a a textbook or history book. It was just so hard to read and understand. And I'm reading this thing like a novel. It's like, it's just super easy. Everything makes sense. It's very evocative. So I'd say right now, Forbidden Lands is probably the top of my list, but uh, I I love running games. I'm really enjoying these one shots. Mm -hmm. Dungeon Crawl Classics is coming up. Uh, More Marvel one shots, probably Star Trek again. Uh, Monster of the Week is a lot of fun. So yeah, definitely, definitely good stuff. Um very curious to try Forbidden Lands. Your nope. guys' review sold me on it. Uh, well, again, we got the trial coming up. I'm still looking for players if you want to jump in. and I'll my name in the Okay. Hat. All right. Uh, very cool. All right. So one more time around the horn. Any other questions? Thank you for asking those. Again, a uh, ton of fun. Um, 
but we'll wait just a few seconds because there's a bit of a delay. Uh, people are talking a lot about the Scythe board game. A lot of people really like it. I think it's on Tabletop Simulator, too. That's so, where I'm playing it. Okay, okay. Um, so that basically you don't have to worry about all the fiddly bits. Because uh, yeah. I hear it's pretty fiddly. Yeah, it, there is a learning curve at first because there are a lot of different options you can do. And I do everything random. So you get your random faction and then your play board is different. So you might have industrial, so the cost on things is different. Or you might have agricultural, so it changes what you can do. Mm-hmm. So it's not the same game every time. Um, I, I can beat the computer on easy, but medium, I'm struggling. <laughs> it's one of those games where I'm like, I'm going to try the long game in this one. And then the computer goes, oh, we know what he's doing. And then they just rush to win. And I'm like, ah. So then I go, I'm going to rush to win. Then they both start attacking me, so now you have to defend yourself. So now yeah. you can't rush to win. It's like, ugh. Nice. So, yeah, uh, maybe we'll have to play that on TTS sometime. You can try to teach me how to play the game. Uh, again, we mentioned earlier, but we've been playing Marvel Legendary maybe once a week on average, sometimes more than once, sometimes we skip a week. Uh, right. But I love that game. I love playing on TTS, even though it's a wonky, but because it's just so easy to get set up and you don't have to put up your cards when you're done. The newest setting came out today, Cosmos. Um, so I will be buying that one. I don't know when it'll end up on TTS, but, uh, that's another thing. If anybody on here wants to join our discord, we also play board games on the TTS tabletop simulator, which does cost, it is a price. You have to pay for it. Um, 20 bucks, 20 bucks. I think quite a few people bought it when it was on sale for half off for like 10. It's well worth that. Even if you don't play with us, but it's, it's definitely very cool. I like it a lot. I like it to try games before I buy them at home. Yeah. Because then I don't spend 50 bucks on a game I actually don't like. You don't like, yeah. It definitely makes sense to, I mean, and you can play it. And these are all games that are like in the workshop area, which again, I don't understand the legality of that because you play games that you don't own. But I assume that if it was illegal, the game companies would have shut them down already. So I think there's got to be something about it where it's either legal or they just don't care because they're getting publicity. Uh, if I ever find out that's not true, then I might change my stance. Uh, but primarily, I play Marvel Legendary, which I own literally every card ever made for that game. So I'm okay yeah. with play, playing it on there because it's just convenient for me. But I think we have six expansions. Well, base set plus six or seven expansions. So the way I kind of read it is the workshop is where they work out the bugs. And then once they figure that out, the company will then actually make it look better and then actually sell the game. Gotcha. Zombicide. I love that game and it's on there for like 10 bucks mm-hmm. and I couldn't find it in the workshop. So gotcha. I think they workshopped it and then they put it in there and sell it for whatever. Yeah. Zombie side is actually the first game I bought on there just cause I wanted to try it. So I do own zombie side. If anybody ever wants to play that. Is it, does it do pretty well? On that? It, I mean, it's okay. It's, um, it's, it's a fiddly game and, and the, because it's the, it's, well, it's not, it's not in a workshop, but it's not automated. So you have to know what to do. So you have to know that when you flip over the card, what zombies you need to pull out, you know, if there's any like near the manhole covers and all that stuff. So it doesn't automate any of that for you. At least if it does, I don't know how to, how to work it. It'd be nice if it did that. Yeah, It would be very nice if it did. So basically you still have to know how to play the game. It includes all the rule books and everything like that. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, it's still, I have that one and I'll play Marvel legendary. So, all right. Well, no, 
specific questions. So I think we'll wrap things up there. Chris, thank you so much for joining me, man. I really appreciate you having me on here. Obviously, Caleb's already gone, but I appreciate yeah. having him. It's, it's always good to have him back because he's been gone for so long. Um, so one last That's... time, where can people get a hold of you or sign off? Uh, Twitter, Berlu underscore Chris. Check out Redemption on all your uh, favorite podcatchers. And uh, come play some uh, TTS with us. Uh, oh, somebody asked earlier. I don't. I think I remember. But if anybody wants an invite to the Discord, find me on Twitter, find me on Facebook, or send me an email uh, the RPG Academy at Gmail, and I'll send you an invite. I don't post it publicly, but I'll send it to anybody who asks. All right. I think that'll do it. So let's do a wave out. Do you have something else? Look like you were going to say something. Uh, just Tom would yell at us if we didn't end it properly you're right i i don't know it's my thing and i still don't remember <laughs> to do it i i get the advantage of it's right above your head it is so. true it is above my head so remember if you're having fun you're doing it right you're doing it right so with that we'll wave and say thanks everybody bye-bye thank you thanks for listening to the rpg academy podcast we do this show out of love for the hobby and the desire to be ambassadors, welcoming more people into this community. All of our website content will always be free to use and utilize. But there are expenses related to the show. And if you enjoy what we do here, then please consider supporting us in some way. You can do so as simply as rating or reviewing us on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. If you're going to purchase anything through Amazon or DriveThruRPG, consider using our affiliate links first and then we'll get a small percentage sent back to us. You can do a single direct donation through PayPal using the paypal.me slash the RPG Academy, or consider joining our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash the RPG Academy. And for a donation as low as $1 a month, you'll get access to lots of extra goodies, including bonus minisodes, invites to monthly one-shot games, one-sheet adventures, and more. Please consider following us on Twitter and Facebook or join our Discord where we like to try to keep the conversation going with our fans as best we can and are always looking to talk and chat more. Or do none of that. Just continue to listen and enjoy our show. Because honestly, that's enough. Thanks. And remember, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. We'll see you next time. The music used for our intro and outro is Fly a Kite by Spectacular Sound Productions, used under the Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike License.